Hello everyone, my name is Matt Hollingsworth, and welcome to another episode of The Remote Show, where we discuss everything to do with remote work with the people who know it best. Thanks so much for listening. The Remote Show is brought to you by WeWork Remotely, the largest community of remote workers in the world. With over 220,000 unique users per month, WeWork Remotely is the most effective way to hire. My guest on today's show is Caesar Abade. Caesar is a team lead for Automatic's Happiness Division, the team responsible for providing customer support for WordPress.com. Caesar has a background as a certified project management professional and is the author of Project Management for You, How to Turn Your Ideas into Reality, Deliver on Promises, and Get Things Done. He's also the host of the Project Management for the Masses podcast and works remotely for Automatic from his home in London, Ontario. So Caesar, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. So why don't we start by just giving our listeners a bit of a background about you and your role with Automatic. How did you get with Automatic and what do you do now? Yeah, there's a podcast involved in the story, so that's kind of interesting. I went to engineering school. I have a degree in electrical engineering. My dad has a very small family company that I worked in for, I don't know, like 11 years. In that job, I decided to do a podcast for the company. Nice. And that was awesome. I just had a great time with that. And that kind of put me in the, in this path of new media publishing and things like that. And uh, in my podcasting circles, I, I had a friend who's also a podcaster and he podcasted about WordPress. And he was a developer, like a website developer. And uh, we became really good friends. And then um, he, I think it was 2013, he actually took a job with Automatic. And oh, that was great. When it was my time to search for a new opportunity, I remembered him and I connected with him and said, hey, tell me about Automatic. At the time, it wasn't like the obvious career choice for me. I was just intrigued by the lifestyle of working from home. And, and I knew how happy he was working at Automatic. So I just I was just curious. But then the more I looked into the opportunity, the more it appealed to me. And then I applied. I think it was 2015 that I applied and I was hired in early 2016. Wow. So that's the short version of it. It's interesting that you started with podcasting and then you got into your other career. Do you have a podcast outside of Automatic as well? Yeah, I used to do it every week, but it hasn't been so frequent now. But it's still on. It's called the Project Management for the Masses. Nice. Mostly for project managers or for those trying to get into the industry and trying to do better. Interesting. Yeah. So you're a pro then at podcasting, so I should be taking over. <laughs> I don't know. Who is a pro at podcasting? It's all so new, right? True. True enough. Just going into your role with Automatic, your title there is what exactly? So I am one of the happiness engineers and I'm a team lead. So happiness is what we call customer support. Hmm. So it is our largest division within the company and we are subdivided into teams. I'm the lead of one of the teams. Nice. And so how many people would be in a team then? Yeah. So I think right now it's between 12 and 15, 16 people. And and with that, so you mentioned that you got the job after having some connection with podcasting. Did you have anything, um, any management experience or experience in related areas before getting on Automatic with the other company that you mentioned that you work for? Yeah. So I was a project manager for a long time. I even have a certification from the Project Management Institute. It's called the Project Management Professional Certification. So I had to write a test for that and study and <laughs> Uh, I still have it, actually. You have to maintain it. Every three years, you have to go and do some paperwork. And Anyway, and that's what kind of got me into that field of podcasting about this topic, because I really enjoy talking about it. 
I ended up writing a book on the topic. But, you know, the, the, the field of project management, especially the PMP certification, it's more of a traditional project management approach. It's called waterfall. And these days, it's almost like a bad word in the, in the software industry. It's great for like building bridges and skyscrapers and construction projects and things that are like that. But for software and application development, it's a bit rigid, right. a bit of an old school approach to project management. Interesting. With happiness team lead then, so obviously I think it's intuitive why it's called happiness team lead, but is there anything specifically that in terms of the customer support that would make it happiness related or like, is there a metric that you use that your team considers to be successful? Why is it called happiness team lead? <laughs> well, because we're the happiness department. It's about happiness for our customers. So if they're unhappy with the product, right, with our services, then they come to live chat or they write us an email and then it's our job to take that interaction with that customer and turn that into a positive or, or if you will, engineer some happiness for the customer. The department that deals with that part, it's called happiness. Within that, we have different teams. So the managers for each of the teams, if you will, are called happiness team leads. Do you as team leads have some sort of metric that you use to dictate the happiness of your customers that reach out to you? Because I assume that if they're reaching out to you, they have either an issue or, or some feedback yeah. and you have some sort of NPS score or something like that that you use? Yes. We have all sorts of uh, different proxies for measuring. You can't really measure happiness directly, right? as you know, but there are different ways that we can uh, get close to it. One of them is after each interaction, the customer is invited to rate the interaction with good, not so good or bad, which gives us an opportunity to reach out and follow up on the bad reviews. Then there is also the number. Are we keeping the queue under control, right? Like is the customer waiting for a reply for a long time, for example? Or are they coming to live chat and not finding an available agent, for example, right? That's bad. So that's another one that we keep track of. And then there is also other things that are kind of harder to relate to the support experience, but, you know, churn rates, renewal rates, and cancellations and things like that. So we're always keeping an eye on that making sure that our customers are happy and they're coming back to renew and things like that. And so with that, is there any tool or process that you use that might not be intuitive to other customer support people out there? Because I know that we have a lot of listeners that are involved in that in tech. Is there anything that you think that other teams maybe overlook that might help them increase their, as you say, happiness level within their customers? Yeah, I think there's a couple of questions in there. One is about the tools we develop, right? We, we have develop WordPress.com and WooCommerce and Jetpack and a few other products. So we have in-house development and we also make use of WordPress because WordPress, as you might know, is a very flexible tool. It's not just for building just plain websites, but it's basically a database. Right? So you can tweak it to do whatever you want. So a lot of our internal communication, how we keep track of things is by using internal WordPress blogs. Um, I don't even know how many we have, but it's in the hundreds. Hmm. So each team, for example, in the company has their own internal blog that we use for communication. Right? So you make posts and people comment. And all those have URLs that you can refer to. And we're talking about different things in Slack, for example. Mm. So that is a tool that's super flexible. And I think sometimes you're out there looking for the perfect tool. And all you need is something simple that is flexible. And then you can make it do whatever you want it to do. Mm. And that's the case with the WordPress blogs that we use. We call them uh, P2s because um, they use the P2 theme, but it's basically a WordPress blog. So it has uh, posts and pages and comments and tags and widgets, things like that. 
And then uh, we also developed a live chat tool internally. We used to use a third party, but we developed our own internal tool for that. We call it Happy Chat. And then we also have another tool that's fairly new as well that we developed that is a, a scheduling tool. We have an interesting <laughs> conundrum uh, at Automatic because we always start from the principle that as employees, we decide when we are available to work, right? It's all part of that distributed workforce. Uh, so we're not tied to a nine to five. But at the same time, we're telling our customers that we offer 24-7 live chat support. What we're saying is, on one hand, we're saying, hey, employees, you can work when you want. And then we're telling our customers, hey, we're going to help you whenever you want. Right. So that's a problem that's non-trivial. So we developed this internal tool, the scheduling tool that tries to combine these two maxims. So we use that as well. Tools, it's always like, you know, I always think about it this way first, you know, think about the system that you want to create. What is important to you? What's the, the culture and what's the, you know, the creed of your organization? And then go out and look for tools that will fit it rather than the other way around. <laughs> Them, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. I'd like to get into that a little bit as well because I noticed that just from my own research that Automatic has a pretty unique and, and interesting mission statement, I think it's what you call it, and, and something that's important to the team itself and the company itself. So I, I think that's something we should get into. But you mentioned something there as well, which is that you let your employees sort of pick when they want to work. And then you also have the conundrum, as you said, about 24-hour live chat support. So was that something that your happiness team leads came together on and made this decision on to allow for your employees to work when they wanted? Or is there something that led you to that after iterating on different processes and things like that? Or how did that come to be? Yeah. So this is part of automatic culture. We like to say we focus on um, output versus input, right? So in theory, it wouldn't matter how many hours you put in as long as the output you're producing is appropriate, right? That's something that the company started with, and it's part of the DNA, if you will, of Automatic. It's trickier for our group in happiness because of that problem, right? We need to provide coverage for live chat, for example, and also tickets and email support. So we're still learning, <laughs> but uh, we've made great strides in the last couple of years into providing good coverage for our customers while at the same time ensuring that there's still flexibility for our team. Yeah, and it's probably, and again, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you'd have to be so strict and diligent about time frames for the customer support team as well. There's a tendency to allow for people to continue to work overtime, you know, when there's things that need to be done, especially with the 24-hour coverage. How does scheduling work for the happiness teams within Automatic? Yeah, so the way that it works, it starts always from the happiness engineer, you know, the team member. We ask everybody to provide us with eight hours of availability on a given day. Okay. So you say it's April 15th, I can work from, let's say, eight to noon and then from one to five. Mm -hmm. And everybody does that at the same time. And we have people in all time zones. Then we have a team of schedulers who will look at that. And then of those eight hours, we will assign six hours to each happiness engineer out of those eight. And then we have some wiggle room there to move those six hours around as we see fit, right? By doing that, we can cover most of our needs. And then there's going to be days and usually weekends or, or Friday afternoons, things like that, that we might be short. And then we might ask people, hey, is anybody flexible to actually move down an hour on the Friday or whatever? Hmm. 
we provide coverage that way. But the first step is the team member telling us when they can work. And then we work with that. That's interesting. And is that something you've had for a long time or you've came to that conclusion after some iterations in that? Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. And I think we've been doing that for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, maybe. Time flies. It's interesting because nobody else does it this way, right? So we feel like we're always trying to invent it. We can't look up to any other company because yeah. nobody else is doing it. So, And that's probably something that you have come across in a lot of different areas about growing automatic as well, especially when you've implemented for your team specifically the customer support for 24 hours. And then because you're such a large team, then problems pop up that, hey, maybe not everybody else has come across like this one. So it's something you're leading the charge in at least. And uh, that pops up all kinds of different problems. There's no playbook to follow. Right. Yeah. And I often say, you know, providing 24-7 support is really easy. You just tell people when to work, right? <laughs> and uh, we could solve that problem overnight, but that would go against our culture and, and how we choose to operate. Pulling on that through a little bit more, is there any other unique things that you do related to that, like allowing your people to choose sort of when they want to work? Is there anything else that you do that's specific to automatic that maybe has led to higher retention rate for employees or things like that? Yeah, so that's one thing, you know, flexibility. We have a open vacation policy, which I think used to be more unusual. I think other companies are doing that too now. Mm-hmm. So if you need some time off to take care of your family, you know, you can have it. Good benefits. You can work from home. We uh, provide all employees with working desk and chair and computer that we replace the computer every 18 months, you know. So it's a good setup. <laughs> it's yeah. flexible and, you know, I, I work from home and we homeschool. So I'm here with my family all day. If they need to talk to me, they just come into the room here, um, have lunch with my family. And it's really great. And on the other side, too, is like, you know, WordPress is such a, a well-liked brand. You know, It's one of the most trusted brands in tech out there. It's very fulfilling to be a part of this team. I mean, the team is fantastic and uh, it's a great product. And it's just a happy bunch. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that uh, there's not many people out there that can say the same thing. So, you know, I think that Automatic is doing something right in that regard. I'd like to talk a little bit, you mentioned hiring. And hiring to me in, in a remote team, especially one that's as big as Automatic, is always something that's interesting. And I'd like to learn more about your hiring process. Mm-hmm. So... Is there anything, you mentioned onboarding there for a few months, I think. Is there anything else that you do that's unique or unusual that nobody else does that leads to better culture within Automatic? Yeah, so the hiring process, you know, starts with the person applying for the job and then they're offered an interview if the hiring team decides to move on with the application. And usually there's one or two interviews. And then if we like it, then we offer the person a trial and that uh, usually lasts about five weeks. During the trial, you get feedback. You know, you basically are acting as a full-time employee for the most part, 99% full-time employee. So you can do pretty much everything that everybody else can do, have access to everything. And you get feedback during those five weeks and you can reach out to people and ask questions and it's done that way. And then at the end of the five weeks, sometimes earlier, there is a decision that we make a recommendation for hire to HR, and then you have a final uh, interview with HR. This is mostly for the happiness group. That's the process that I'm most familiar with. And then if that goes well, then you're offered a contract. So the interesting part of that is that this entire process is done without ever meeting anybody face-to-face or even talking to people on the phone. It's all through Slack 
And then once you're in your trial, then you, you get access to the P2 blogs and you can communicate that way. So in my case, for example, I had my two interviews. I think I applied in October. I had an interview in sometime in November, I think. And then I started trial. I think I started full-time in mid-January. And it wasn't until first week of February, I think, that I actually talked to somebody. <laughs> wow. So, you know, because we, we communicate via text-based communication for the most part. So by doing the hiring that way, I think it removes some of the biases that we might have by how people look and sound, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't really matter for this job. If you can write well and you can communicate well and you can do the job, I think it's really cool to do it that way. And also, you know, the way we communicate with our customers is uh, text-based. So that takes care of that. I think that's kind of unique. I don't know if anybody else is hiring that way. I know that some companies do trials, our auditions, but to be all text-based, I think we're kind of unique in that area. Yeah, that, I think you're the first person that's mentioned that on the show, at least. That's definitely interesting. And, and I know that you mentioned that you're not quite as familiar with the other hiring process for other teams, but is that company-wide or is that specific to the happiness team? Company-wide, you'll have a trial and you'll have a final interview. But um, as far as like the length of the trial, I'm not sure if it's all, you know, everybody's doing a five-week trial or if it's shorter or longer. Yeah, but that's the the gist of it. I think it's the same across the entire company. That's interesting. And you mentioned that communicating is obviously one of the biggest parts of the hiring process for you. Is there any test at all in terms of the hiring process? Or is there like a project? Or is it just a matter of seeing how they communicate in in the regular communications of the job and then seeing how well that goes? And then from there, it's EA or nay kind of thing? Yeah, I think during the interview process, there's a small project that we ask people to complete. Mm -hmm so we can gauge their knowledge of WordPress and the tools. And then once you're working pretty much full-time in your trial, because it's, you know, the nature of the work is replying to live chat and replying to email, there is a trail that you leave, right? <laughs> your communication. All the communication in the company, unless it's like a Zoom call, is searchable, right? So if I'm the trial lead for a trial, I can always go into the tools that we have and search for the person and find every single piece of communication that they have had during the trial and I can gauge, right? Right. So there is no test per se during the trial, but the whole thing is a test in a way. Right. And and so I think you've answered this question already, but do you or does the automatic team look at other companies that are hiring for similar positions and sort of see what they're up to and then apply things that make sense to them to yours? Or is it sort of we're unique enough that we need to come up with our own process entirely and we don't really care what other companies are doing or what they've seen success in. Which one sort of more falls for you and for Automatic? Yeah, I know we do look at other companies, see what they're doing, see what other how they're offering their positions, right, in the career pages and things like that. And I can't think of a specific example that we borrowed from somebody else, but I know that we do look, you know, we participate in uh, Slack groups for distributed work or support work. We go to conferences and things like that, and we speak and we attend talks on different things. So yeah, we're always trying to learn from what other people are doing. And so I want to go back to the culture aspect of it, because you mentioned that you have a team that seems to love working for Automatic, mm -hmm. and you have people that want to work for you. So what part of the hiring process do you sort of test for the right fit in terms of personality and in terms of whether they're going to fit the mold of what you think Automatic stands for? Is there something specifically or do you just watch them throughout the hiring process and gauge from there? 
Yeah. So, you know, we automaticians, as we call ourselves, right, we are fast learners and independent workers, right? So those are a couple of things that we're trying to look at when considering applicants. And the trial shows that as well, you know, can they work alone and independent? So we try to make as much information available as possible. So let's say one question that comes up, you know, for support, let's say they're trying to cancel their account, right? That happens. So we have internal documentation on, on how to do that, right? In different locations within the internet and of, of blogs and, and things like that. So instead of going into Slack and, and asking, hey, can somebody help me with this? We want to know, okay, well, did you look somewhere? Did you, you know, did you, <laughs> have you tried something before you ask for help? You know, so we're trying to see if the person has initiative and is creative and, and can come up with solutions without, I'm not saying never ask for help. Of course, you need to ask for help if you need to. But if the information is already out there, then um, try that first. And if you didn't find it, then why not, right? Mm. Things like that. And then throughout the uh, the trial, you want to also want to see that the person is progressing, right? So they're being more efficient, they're learning, and they're sharing what they're learning. So that is what I would call fit. Can you do the work and do you learn fast and do you grow? Do you respond well to feedback? Things like that. You know, a lot of companies rely on an interview to find that out. We just watch people actually do the job and see how they do it. Right. Do you hire specifically people that have worked remotely before? Or is that something that you're comfortable with teaching people as they come on? Yeah, if they worked uh, remotely before, that's definitely a plus. But it's not a showstopper if they haven't. I hadn't worked remotely before I started here. So it's a little plus if you have, but it doesn't really affect much. Right. And so speaking of remote work, is there anything outside of the internal tools that you use? And I, I know you mentioned that sometimes Sibler is better, but is there a thing that you do during the day that you don't skip on? Or is there something that you found to be more productive working from home? Um, well, when you're working from home, you just, <laughs> you have to be very smart about being efficient with your time and not being distracted, right? So if you are working support, let's say if you are working six hours a day in support, that's a bit easier because if, let's say, if you're in live chat for two hours straight and you're getting two, three chats at a time from different customers, then you have to be efficient, right? Because it's like the water hose is just, you know, spewing out. So you got to get on it. But during the times when you're not doing that type of work that's highly reactive, then you need to develop your own systems for keeping track of things and ensuring that you are efficient. I'm a big follower of the GTD method from David Allen, getting things done. So mm. I use that a lot. Now, my role is a more like a, a manager a lead role. So I don't do as much direct support as the folks on my team. So a lot of my work is more like undefined, which sounds great, but it's also difficult because you have to be good with your time. Otherwise, things just pile up and get out of control. So I use GTD. I use a tool um, for my task management. I use OmniFocus, which is a task management tool for the Mac and iOS. You have to develop your own system when you're working remotely or distributed because it's really easy to just get distracted, you know, and just go on social media or, you know, answer the phone or whatever, right? Mm. I find that what works best for me is to spend an hour, uh, maybe 45 minutes in the morning before nine, before things start to heat up um, and just plan my day, see what the big rocks are that I need to handle that day and just put them on the calendar. So I'll, I'll be sure to get them done and also be available to my team if they need me, right? If I'm always heads down into some deep work task, then I'm not available to my team if they need help. Right. 
that's also that aspect. Something that I hear often from remote workers and uh, managers of remote teams is that they really try to promote deep work in specific areas of the day for people. And this might be different for a customer support team or having a team, I should say. But is there time that you allow yourself to be available specifically or do you sort of allow your notifications to be turned on throughout the day so people can kind of reach out as they want? And what is your process around that? Yeah, my, my default is being available for pings. Maybe because of the role I'm in, right? Like, um, you know, one of the things I like to do for a team is like remove blockers and be there for them if they need anything. So if I'm not there or if I'm taking too long to reply, that's a bit of a problem. So my default is to be green, if you will, on Slack. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but, you know, there'll be times when I need to really work on this project. I'll just, ahead of time, try to plan, okay, from 2 to 3 p.m. today, I'm just going to log out, get this done. It's more like the default is I'm available. And then if I have things that I need to really focus on, then I will go off. Right. I think Automatic is the largest company that we've been able to learn about here on the show. Is there a process or a framework for people that are in their upper management that they sort of distribute to the lower levels of the executive teams in terms of remote work and best practices and how they see success on a remote team? Is that company-wide? And how do you distribute that sort of information in terms of best practices? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I don't think we have a, like a standard like that. What we do have is like we have a very strong culture of feedback and sharing. So, for example, if I know somebody on my team is really doing really well with managing their time because they tried this or that, what I will do is I can, you know, I encourage them to write a post about it. Depending on the nature of the post, it'll go on this or that blog <laughs> based on the viewership. So there's a lot of folks sharing their setups and discussing that. Like we probably have more Slack channels than we have uh, employees. <laughs> so there's a channel for everything. And I'm sure there's a channel for work setup, just not in it. But it's a more like an organic thing rather than coming from the top. And because you know, we have folks who travel um, full-time. We have folks who work from RVs. They're just constantly on the go. People who fly all the time and, you know, travel. People who work from home, people who work always from, uh, you know, we work locations, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, it's not one size fits all, right? So, so speaking of that a little bit, and again, I think this is unique to Automatic because of your size. Mm-hmm. What has been the biggest issue, the biggest problem in terms of working remotely on such a large team? And is there anything that you've done to get around those issues? But I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, you know, what the biggest problem is or has been for you working remotely, for you individually and, and for your teams and as a company, if you can answer that. Yeah, in my case, it really works for my lifestyle. So what would happen from time to time is that, okay, I just need a change of scenery. So I'll just go to a coffee shop and I find that every few weeks I need to go and spend a whole day there and get a bunch of things done. Um, But uh, that's just me. Like, you know, from talking to different people, I find that it's um, a distributed workplace like that. It's easy for folks who are quiet to kind of move to the background. And that sometimes can be a problem, right? So as a team leader, to always try to encourage people to communicate, to share what they're doing, right? Because I know I'm working closely with them. I know that they're working and that they're doing things, but the work that they're doing might not be very visible. So that is one pitfall. You know, you don't want to kind of disappear <laughs> uh, for a number of reasons, right? But at the same time, I don't want to force everybody to be an extrovert like I am, because that's not cool. So how can you just be more quiet, 
type of person, maybe an introvert, how can you still show what you're doing and communicate and be there and be seen without being too much out of your comfort zone, right? That sort of problem doesn't exist in an office because people can just walk by the cubicle and see your face. Yeah, so there is that danger. And also, you know, um, getting out of the house, <laughs> seeing people. I, again, I don't have that issue because I, I have a big family here, but a lot of folks are single and they live alone. So it's good to get out and go work somewhere, or go, go travel, go work from Costa Rica for a month, you know, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. Is that something that you actively as a manager promote or do you highly encourage people to communicate when they wouldn't otherwise communicate? Like, how do, how do you deal with that as a manager? Yeah. So we can track communication. So I have a one-on-one meeting with my team at first once a week. And then after they're onboarded, after a few months, bi-weekly. It's how I do it. Different team leads do it differently, but that's how we do it. I open up a bunch of links that I have here and I can see the pattern of communication. And we want to see like a, a healthy dose of posts and comments and it's kind of hard to measure that but i can tell that this person used to be very active and now they're not so to me it's like an indicator that maybe we should talk about that and uh, the other thing is um, encouraging people to share hacks and and tips and things that they've learned the things that they're good at there's a tendency you know in the big especially in big support teams like that for folks to feel like oh they're just one person in in this huge sea of people but I believe that everybody has strengths and the only way that you can develop them is by sharing them, flexing those muscles, right? So if I notice that someone is really good at uh, this one particular topic of support that we provide, let's say domains or CSS, right? Things like that, that we, we help users with, then I'll try to encourage them to, hey, no, it's been a while since your last post and you know, that post was really good. How about maybe you can write a post about this topic here since you're doing so well. That kills a lot of birds, right? Because you promote communication, encouraging people to work on their strengths, making them more visible, and they start to create a track record of on, on that topic. And eventually they can become a little bit of a mini expert in that topic internally. And then people start pinging them for help, uh, which draws them out some more. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I do with the team to get more exposure. That's interesting. And do you do anything specifically as a manager to make sure that people within the team are getting to know each other outside of maybe the work context? Because I think it's important to make sure that not all communication is work-related and you get to know each other maybe a little bit on a higher level than just work. Is, is there anything that you do to promote that? Yeah, so this is more company-wide. So we have the yearly grand meetup that we call it. That's for the entire company. We go away for a whole week and we hang out for a week. This year is going to be in Orlando. And then each team will have their own team meetup, usually in the spring, spring slash summer. So our team is going to Montreal now in uh, May. And that's a week that we do some work together, but also activities. We hang out, have dinners, and go out and play, things like that. And then if you're local and you have other automaticians who are local to you, even if they're not on your team, then there'll be like a local dinner. So in my case, there's only one person in town here that works for Automatic, but Toronto is a two-hour drive and there's a lot of people in that area. So we'll try to do like a yearly Automatic dinner in Toronto for people who are local. Yeah, I think that's the extent of (laughs) what we do, hanging out with the coworkers outside of a work environment. Right. And sorry, so so you mentioned you're close to Toronto? Yeah, I'm a two-hour drive. I'm riding between Toronto and Detroit. Oh, interesting. Um, So whereabouts specifically? Oh, yeah, it's called London. London, Ontario. 
Canada. We're we're already in Victoria. Uh, oh, all right. Something <laughs> <laughs> we should have discussed beforehand. <laughs> Just going on that thread a little bit too. Is there something within the uh, Slack channel that is is the conversation light? Sometimes do you promote sort of a certain level of humor and and maybe use some gifts? Is is that something that you actively promote as a manager as oh, well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm big on the humor. And as you know, gifts are very important. And I think Slack told us that we are the company that has the most custom emojis of their entire customer base. Wow. That is saying a lot. <laughs> so I know your time is valuable here, Caesar. So I wanted to ask you a couple more closing questions, if that's mm-hmm. okay. My first one here is actually, what is your favorite unplugged activity? So what do you do outside of work that uh, that's your favorite thing to do? <laughs> my favorite unplugged activity would be to hang out with my family out with my wife mm. uh, yeah we're that age that you know the kids are uh, staying up later <laughs> so i only get like maybe half an hour to an hour to kind of sit and chill and have a conversation with my partner spouse wife so i really look forward to that nice. um we have friends that live nearby and also have kids about the same age so i really look forward to meeting with those folks as well that the kids play and then we can have adult conversations <laughs> beyond that that stage in life now that that's important yeah, you're definitely not the only one. I think that's a great answer. I think that should be that way. Mm-hmm. So my, my last question here for you is one that's a little bit more unique, I think, to the podcast. But what is the favorite your favorite advice that you've ever been given? So uh, work or otherwise, and you can take that in any direction you like. Favorite advice that I've ever been given. Wow, that's a good one. I think is the favorite advice is that for the most part, we are in charge of the choices we make. And the choices we make mm-hmm. tend to dictate how our life turns out. <laughs> So that's one thing I like to tell my kids and tell the folks I, I have some influence on is like, your life is a project and you're the manager. That's the tagline for my podcast and for my book. Nice. And uh, that really, if you try to be good and make good decisions and plan for the future, plan ahead and have principles, then life is a lot easier because you just know what to do when things get tough. <laughs> So that's probably my best advice. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great answer. All right. Is there anywhere that you want to send people to see more of what you're up to and the team and and where where should people go to to get to know you? Yeah, so you can go to um, automatic.com and that's um, automatic with two T's. The second T is doubled. It's a pun on Matt's name. He's our CEO. So automatic.com and then there's a work with us page there, you know, regarding the uh, our culture and what it's like to work here and also the positions that we have open right now. You can go to WordPress.com and see what that's the, the product that we support. And then personally, you can go to PMForTheMasses.com. Uh, there's also CaesarBay.com, which is the placeholder site where you can have links for the different things that I do. And the link to the Project Management For You book that I wrote is uh, ProjectManagementForYou.com. Very cool. And we'll have all that information in the show notes on the site as well, so people can check that out. Caesar, thanks again for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Caesar. Thanks so much again for listening to the show today. Be sure to check out WeWorkRemotely.com for the latest remote jobs. And if you're looking to hire a remote worker, WeWorkRemotely is the fastest and easiest way to do so. As always, if you have someone that we should talk to, advice you have, or if you'd like to sponsor the show, please reach out to us at podcast at WeWorkRemotely.com. That's podcast at WeWorkRemotely.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.